we would spend 90% of our lives indoors. And then the pandemic hits and that number just went up. And now, and now you feel terrible and you go to the doctor and it says it must be mental. <laughs> what happens is with chemical sensitivity, some people will say it's all in your head. Well, they're actually 50% correct. And I'm, I'll probably get hate mail on this. So what I'm hearing is odds are we're gonna see it or smell it. Welcome to the Power of Your Voice podcast. I'm your host, Mike Murphy. I'm also the author of the book, The Creation Frequency, and founder of Mounds of Hope, a transformational healing retreat center in Medellin, Colombia. Each week in this podcast, we bring you the most amazing guests and powerful content that will inform you how you too can learn to use your own powerful voice to manifest optimal health, wealth, and transformation that you desire and deserve. Welcome everybody to the Power of Your Voice podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Murphy. Hey, I'm super happy that you're here today, and thank you for all the positive feedback, the likes, the thumbs up, the shares, especially the shares. I mean, our, our mission here is to serve uh, people that are suffering, and we bring in some really powerful subjects to help alleviate suffering and how people can learn to detox their body, put the right nutrition in, how to rewire these neural pathways, how to move into the heart, heal those emotional wounds, and, and become totally whole, complete, free, and live from your heart. And speaking of that, I want to talk a little update about Mounds of Hope. For you guys that watch this show on a regular basis, you know about Mounds of Hope. You know what it is. You know why I built it. Uh, for those of you guys that aren't aware of Mounds of Hope, it's our transformational healing retreat center here in Medellin, Colombia. It's a two-week adventure where we spend a lot of time detoxing the toxicity in your body. Believe it or not, you're full of heavy metals, parasites, candida, bacteria. I don't care where you are because the food is toxic, the air is toxic, the water is toxic. And when your body is toxic, it lowers the energy and especially the energy of the immune system, and therefore disease can take hold. The other issue I see, why, why we can't get off these addictive foods, and, and they're addicting on purpose by the food industry, is because of this. We, we, become, we get habits, and these neural pathways get wired uh, to keep fulfilling this uh, bad habit, which is injuring our gut. And by the way, your gut speaks to your brain, so if you have a lot of parasites and junk in your gut, it's constantly sending messages, chemical messages, ladies and gentlemen, to your brain saying, hey, I need a Coke, I need a pizza, I need some ice cream, okay, because they feed on sugar, they feed on processed foods. And unfortunately in America, um, because of the economy right now and uh, the way things are, very few people can afford to go to Whole Foods, very few people can buy organic foods. So, so we're kind of stuck in this trap and then there's an education lacking. I mean, I can speak to, to my four grandkids. They think that food grows in a box. Now, I'm 66 years old. I know that it doesn't. But there's so much processed food in that country. And there's so much additives in the, in the processed food and even the fast food that's addicting, and especially the sugar, and especially the corn syrup sugar. And it seems to be everywhere. And sugar is the number one ingredient that cancer feeds on. So, so Mountains of Hope is all about this. We will, we will help you. We will start the process of the detox. We give IVs, ozone therapy, good nutrition into your body. And then we spend a lot of time on getting in here, understanding how this works, getting rid of these limiting beliefs. So, so many people I talk to today are full of anxiety or depression. And so we're going to work on that. And then when we're done with that, we move from here to this beautiful heart of yours that most people have closed because it's been hurt so much and fear. And this is fear. This is love. This is false. This is real. And what I mean by that is from here, I can lie to you. I can cheat you. I can manipulate you. I can do a lot of crazy things. And living here really sucks, by the way. But when I live from here, I can't do any of those things because this is pure. This is who I am. This is my essence. This is my soul. This is my energy. And from here, I can only love and serve you. So, so that's what our process is. I think in the, it's 16, 15 nights, 16 days, I think we cram about four weeks worth of stuff in there. You know, they say it takes 21 days to create a new habit. Uh, trust me, you will have a new habit when you're done with us. You know, I love the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza, 
who pretty much says, if you want to change your personal reality, you need to change your personality. And so that's our mission at Mounds of Hope. You show up person A on day one, and you leave 16 days later person Z with a, with a whole new purpose, a whole new sense of self-esteem, of self-love, energy through the roof, and now you can go back to your world and you can take that ripple effect and you can start affecting your family and your community. And, and together we can usher in a, another level of consciousness into a world that seems to be gone somewhat mad. So we have an exciting topic for you today. And today's topic is homesick has a new meaning. The way our homes have been built in the last century is reinforcing lifestyles that make us sick, stress, alienated, and unhappy. Healthy and human-friendly HVAC and water purifying systems are the bells and whistles of the modern home. Mold-resistant grout, tile and caulk in the master bath. Now we're talking. And to get into this subject, our guest today is Andrew Page, who is a healthy home concierge and founder of the Green Design Center a leading resource for homeowners and contractors looking to source products that are healthy and green and receive expert consulting advice on designing and building healthy green homes. Andrew is the host of the weekly Non-Toxic Environmental Environments podcast, and he is a worldwide expert on green and healthy building products and services customers and contractors from around the globe can trust. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am very excited to be here today. And we're excited to have you. I got to ask, how'd you get into this? <laughs> well, it's it's a, an old story, but uh, I love telling it because it's really en encompasses the reason why we do this today. About uh, 32, 33 years ago, I was working with my family's business. My family has owned a commercial construction material supply business that dates back to the 1930s. Mm. And um, I'm fresh out of out of out of college, uh, started, decided to start working for the family business, and within the first couple of years, I established myself in the market as a an expert in paints and coatings, and I'm working with architects, engineers all across the country to make sure they specify the right products for specific situations. I'm on a job in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We are supplying a very high end, um, incredibly durable water-based uh, epoxy for a below grade parking structure. It needs to be able to withstand gasoline and oil and grease and so forth. After the primer coats gets applied, I start getting phone calls from people living in the condos above. It was a 13 story building. People up above are complaining of the odors. And, um, you know, I was young in the, in the industry, but I knew a lot about coatings. I thought, well, it's water-based. It can't be that bad. People are probably just reacting to the the, the sight of cans on uh, on the job site and just starting to complain. Then I get a phone call from uh, the office of a United States senator who lived there. They're complaining. I'm taking a little more notice, like, okay, well, this is getting official. Uh, and the most, probably the scariest thing that ever happened in my career, three of our workers were rushed to the hospital because of inhalation complications. Wow. They literally could not breathe in the space. Mm. And uh, we shut down the job. We uh, went on a search to try to find other products that would fit the bill but wouldn't be as dangerous. Found a very small company in California called AFM, American Formulating and Manufacturing. They made paints and coatings for people with what was called environmental illness or multiple chemical sensitivity. But they told me these are very, very safe. This will get the job done and nobody will complain. And they were right. Uh, it, we finished the project, and after that job, I talked to my family and said, we've got to do something different because, you know, we're, we've been in this business for a very long time. We're a very well-respected family in, in the uh, commercial construction industry, but I didn't want to jeopardize that by selling products that were poisoning people. And um, we decided to reach an agreement with AFM to become their national distributor, and it just took off from there. We realized that our buildings, our homes are making us sick, and we are not being told why or how from the manufacturers, from the contractors. The industry is set up to um, make a, a, a profit margin for everybody involved. But when it comes to a healing environment for the occupants, 
that just didn't exist. And so that became my mission, still is my mission today, to provide the healthiest, friendliest materials and, and now educational uh, advice uh, for my clients around the world. Now, that original product, one, how did it get on the market? Is it still on the market? And what's that, what's that um, regulation like over there? Yeah, so the interesting thing is, is that I found out through my research that in order to be called a water-based coating, only 50% of the liquid component of the coating needs to be water. Uh, the rest can be a solvent of some sort or a variety of them. In order to make a, make a paint or a coating, there's only a few ingredients, general ingredients, you know, water or solvent or a combination, a resin like epoxy or acrylic or polyurethane, and then a bunch of other fillers and binders and colorants and things like that. Uh, the manufacturer does not have to tell you exactly what's in the product. Matter of fact, to this day, there is no regulation saying they have to divulge the ingredients. They have to divulge certain ingredients that could be problematic in case there was a spill on the highway or a job site, like a fire at the job site, just to make sure that first responders uh, and emergency workers knew now know how to prepare themselves, gloves, masks, so forth. But when it comes to using them on the job site or in our homes, there is no regulation whatsoever to tell us what we can and cannot use or how we're supposed to use it. So it really is buyer beware. And so we've become that that, uh, that that source for people when they are doing that research. Are those regulations state by state or are they federal? So there are federal regulations right now for certain ingredients such as what are called volatile organic compounds, VOCs. VOCs became regulated in the mid to late 1990s because of their propensity to create outdoor air pollution when they combine with UV and Nitrogen. And what, what would be a definition of a VOC? What is that? It's a carbon-based molecule readily vaporized at room temperature that could react to nitrogen and UV and create smog. Gotcha. Inside of our homes, there is no possibility of smog because there's not enough UV and there's not enough nitrogen. Uh, but it, was, it has been determined that some VOCs are dangerous for humans. Hmm. It's also well known that most VOCs are completely harmless to humans. But the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, looks at all VOCs the same. They're all bad, therefore they all have to be eliminated or reduced. In doing that, in telling manufacturers you have to reduce the VOCs, they are allowed to use one of maybe 90,000 other chemicals that are not classified as VOCs, and they can use them in their product and not disclose them. So this is where manufacturers hide all those things that are dangerous. They'll say, listen, it's not a VOC, so therefore, we can use it and not tell you what it is. So I'm 66 years old. And when I was growing up, we had the popcorn ceilings, which had asbestos. Mm -hmm. We had lead in the paint. Um, yes. So have things gotten better or worse? Both, honestly. <laughs> so uh, technology has made materials to be easier to apply, therefore less expensive to apply. Longer lasting, therefore, you're not replacing them as often. It's, again, making things more affordable. In that process of, of trying to do the right thing is that unintended consequence. And that unintended consequence is in trying to make things more affordable, easier to use, longer lasting, they've also made some of these products uh, a bit more um, problematic to deal with, whether it's living with them or how do you get rid of them? How do you dispose of them after their useful life? So the green building movement throughout the mid-90s and the 2000s was all about energy efficiency and global environmental concerns, which are fantastic topics. I, I am, I'm a big believer of making sure we do the absolute best we can for the earth and for uh, energy efficiency in our bottom line. But those issues don't really discuss human health, direct human health contact. And this is where we step in and say that just because a product is eco-friendly or green or energy efficient does not necessarily mean it's safe to use in our environments. Yep. Lead, asbestos, those are natural materials. Um, arsenic is a natural material, but I want none of those in my house. Or your body. Or my body, of course. <laughs> so yep. that's where it gets a bit confusing. I, I've done a lot of work with cancer patients, and um, last time I looked, 
maybe half a dozen years ago, there were 151 known chemicals in our world, in our everyday world, that cause breast cancer. And mm -hmm. is there a way around creating like a paint without a bunch of chemicals? Yes, there, there certainly is. But in North America, it's not as profitable. Mm. Right. So we like um, we like readily available, lots of choices, um, easy to apply and inexpensive. Those are the things that um, the U.S. wants, mainly the U.S. Around the world, in Europe, um, in, in South America, in Australia, people use more things like m what are called mineral paints. Mineral paints are made of ground-found minerals and water for the most part. Um, no synthetics whatsoever, no latex, which is uh, acrylic, you know, water-based acrylic, so no plastics, uh, completely free of the of health hazards that are found in traditional uh, low zero VOC water-based paints. Now, there are some companies making traditional latex paints without all those toxins, but 98% of, the, of the, the manufacturers and the materials available here in the U.S. are going to be uh, made specifically to to a certain price point. And if they have to use some ingredients that are kind of suspect, as long as they don't fall on what's called the the red list of chemicals, they don't really care. Yeah. Sounds to me like um, like a lot of things in America, food, medicine, corporate greed trumps the consumer's health. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And in your world... So let's talk about me for a second. So I have this 20-acre, 12-bedroom uh, retreat center here. Um, it's probably about 20 years old. I just spent a lot of money turning it into a five-star resort. But I'm concerned with things like mold. And, and you know, we get a lot of rain. We're 7,000 feet in the Andes Mountains. There's a lot of green around us. So what, what can I do to check for mold? Well, it, honestly, it, it comes down to three things. Visible. Um, the smell test, and then if neither one of those are conclusive, then you start doing uh, air quality tests. Okay. Okay. Um, mold has become a very, very important topic in the last few years. Um, it's always been problematic. It's always been an issue. But in the last few years, honestly, since the pandemic, people have become much more aware of their surroundings. Yes. They're spending more time indoors. And, and honestly, before that, we would spend 90% of our lives indoors and then the pandemic hits and that number just went up. Yeah. Okay. And we sit around the kitchen table and we've got the kids doing homework over here and, 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 uh, you know, we're working on work over here and, and zoom calls and all that. And then you sit and you, your eyes start to wander and say, well, I should probably fix that. And I should do something with that. And you start to think about things in the home that you weren't thinking about before. And now people are more concerned about, well, if I'm going to be here, while the work is being done, the products better be safe. And maybe I should look into why I've got this really strange smell coming from the ductwork mm. and, and the basement smells like, like moisture and, and so on and so forth. People are just more aware of these things and yeah. they're more willing to research and, and ask questions. Yeah. You brought up something I didn't think about cause I don't have HVAC up there. Um, but there's a ton of HVAC in America. I live in Palm Springs as well, so we have a lot of air conditioning. Sure. And, you know, it never really dawned on me, but remember years ago you probably do the Legionnaire's disease that was oh, in yeah. the HVAC. So mm -hmm. as a consumer watching this show or listening to this podcast, what, what should they do with their HVAC? How should they check it? Well, again, this is this comes down to the visual and the smell test and so forth, and it's different throughout the, uh, the wherever people are listening. You know, in 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 Florida, uh, there's a huge problem with mold because humidity, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, the way we are building homes today, we are not allowing for um, the the common occurrence of of high humidity and not thinking about what is that going to do to the building materials. Uh, I'm working on a project right now where there are several uh, consultants involved to try to figure out why there's a huge mold problem in the home. And after about $120,000 into all new HVAC system in the house, they still have a problem. Wow. And it's determined that, and, and after I looked at it, we've determined that 
the system is bringing in way too much fresh air from the outside and it's not dehumidifying that air before it expels it into the main space. And so when humidity comes into a space, it has to, it has to go somewhere. It just doesn't disappear. It absorbs into surfaces, absorbs into painted walls and flooring materials and cabinetry. And eventually it tries to make it way, its way out again. Uh, but during that time of being in that, in that um, substrate, if there are also mold spores in the air, and they happen to land on that same spot, and that same spot now is conducive for mold growth. You know, mold spore just needs a food source. It needs moisture and needs warmth. Uh, and after it's got those, it can start to take off. What, what, would, be a, so, what would be a food source for mold? A food source for mold could be um, the paper on drywall. Okay. Could be the wood that the home is constructed of. It could be the paint itself. Um, People forget that during the painting process, when you paint a wall, that paint is still curing for at least two weeks. Mm. And if a mold spore gets into that paint before it's fully cured, it now has a fresh food source to work with. I see. And then other things, you shower, and the steam that coming from your from the shower carries with it not only the moisture, but soap scum and dead skin cells. Those stick to a surface and now become a food source. So the whole home, and I, not to scare people, but the whole <laughs> home can be considered sort of a Petri dish yeah. unless we, we, we maintain it properly. And I think most people do. Uh, I think there's a lot of situations where people, they don't know what they're looking at. They, they don't recognize maybe that aroma or the warning signs. Uh, keep in mind that once humidity is above about 50 to 55% constantly inside of a home, if the home is not breathable throughout the walls and there's vapor barriers from paints and from flooring materials and so forth and the moisture gets locked, then it can start to proliferate mold. If the home is breathable and that moisture can go in and out without a problem, there's much less of a concern. So what I'm hearing is odds are we're going to see it or smell it. You know. Odds are you're going to see it or smell yeah. it. And then in the rare cases where you don't see it or you don't smell it, but you have an actual physical reaction, which a lot of people do, um, it's been determined that about 25% of the world population has the genetic predisposition to have mold sensitivity. Mm. And if you're one of those unlucky 25%, you're going to sense it before anybody else does. And you may drive your family or your spouse or your or your friends crazy because you'll swear, I can sense mold in here, but nobody else does. Uh, use those senses, you know, and, and pay attention to that because chances are if you do smell it or sense it and nobody else does, eventually everybody else will because you didn't take care of it. And then what are the effects of, of mold poisoning? to the consumer? So effects can be very similar to uh, anything as simple as like an allergic reaction all the way to it becoming um, a, a serious um, a, a immune disorder. Autoimmune because of the chronic, toxicity. A, a yeah. chronic inflammatory response, um, mast cell activation, uh, dysautonomia, um, it used to be years ago when I started this company, we thought that chemical sensitivity was a disease on its own. You know, um, you mentioned Legionella, and that was, the, you know, from the, 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 the Legionnaires Conference back in the 70s or 80s, or late 70s, I believe, when people were getting sick because of what was the bacteria growing in the, in the, uh, in the ductwork. Um, the other event was the um, OPEC oil embargo in the early 70s, and building managers and building owners decided to uh, cut down on fresh air intake. Mm. And so we we literally had people living or working in these toxic boxes, not enough fresh air. And so you, you start to recognize the warning signs because of these events. And, um, yeah, it, it's if you don't take care of it soon enough, you end up with an autoimmune disease. And now we're finding that chemical sensitivity really isn't a disease on its own. It's a symptom of an underlying situation. It could be something like Lyme's disease. Yeah. And, and now you have chemical sensitivity, mold sensitivity, electromagnetic sensitivity. 
And now, and now you feel terrible, and you go to the doctor, and it says it must be mental. <laughs> that's, that's the best part. Oh, that is an enormous problem. And, yeah. and this is only getting better in the last couple of years. Uh, up until the last few years, I can't tell you how many people called up and said, my doctors have all told me I need to go, you know, to get mental health. Right. Well, okay, I think we all need mental health in some regard, right? Right. But what happens is with chemical sensitivity, some people will say it's all in your head. Yeah. Well, they're actually 50% correct. And I'm, I'll probably get hate mail on this, yeah. but this is true. When somebody has a serious, um, a, a serious reaction to chemical or mold exposure, and they're used to this, let's say this is happening for years. The mind's a very powerful thing. You mentioned it in the intro. Yeah. Imagine you walk into a space and you sense something that you don't recognize. What happens? Your, your mind essentially puts your body into fight or flight. Mm. And you have this massive adrenaline release causing the exact same reaction that you would have if you actually did come in contact with something you th that really is bad. Yeah. So when I say that it's 50% in your head, the fact of the matter is sometimes we don't know because you do have a serious situation. It is a serious health concern. But a lot of times you're reacting to your body telling you there's something wrong, but not knowing the difference between a real um, potential damaging situation or just the fear of it. There, I mean, I, I wrote a book around this whole subject. There's no difference. There between, there's no difference between reality and imagination. And and the greatest pharmacy in the world is located right here to make chemicals <laughs> exactly to right. to reinforce what we're thinking into our bodies. Yes. Um, I, you know, I've been to friends' houses, older homes, um, and take a shower as a guest, and I see you can see the black mold. I mm -hmm. mean, yeah. I mean, it just it's it's weird to me that they don't see that, and you know, yeah. it's. Uh... <laughs> well, I think some people are are just. We first of all, we have to remember that mold is everywhere. Mold's outside. Mold's inside. There's really nothing dangerous per se about mold. It gets dangerous when it's certain kinds that release what are called mycotoxins, these toxins coming from the mold as it's dying off. Uh, and it's certain species, okay? You go into a bathroom and you see mold growing in the shower in the corners. 99 times out of 100, that's completely harmless, what's called mildew. Okay. It's surface mold that hasn't taken root yet. It can be wiped off very easily. And whether you're, if you're living in a very um, a humid climate and you have a bathroom that has very poor ventilation to get rid of that steam, you're going to get surface mildew pretty easily. Gotcha. And so you have to clean it all the time. Yeah. Um, let's say you don't clean it for months on end. And then it gets, and into, the, and it gets into the wood. There you go. It right. starts to take root. It'll grow through the paint. It'll grow into the drywall. It'll grow into the wood. Or worse... It's moisture getting through the shower and the, the cracks of the grout, and and that becomes basically a wick. All that moisture gets to the wood behind the shower, and now 10 years later, you've got a mold forest behind your shower, but you can't tell because you can't see it until you start to see the signs of it, staining grout, the smell, um, health issues and then you start to take that shower apart and you find that you have a massive mold problem so sometimes it's just not easy to see and you have a um, mold resistant grout so we we would recommend doing there's two things first of all you have to determine whether or not you're more sensitive to mold or to chemical exposure once we determine that we can say let's say you're more sensitive to mold i would say get a what's called a pre-mixed grout that has a mildicide in it it's going to release some chemical. It's going to release a little bit of formaldehyde over the years. However, if mold is more your trigger, I would rather have you have a mold-free surface. If chemical is more your trigger and you're, you're willing to scrub the walls once a week, then I would say use what's called a dry bag mix of grout just mixed with pure water. It's going to grow mold on it faster, especially in more humid environments, um, and you have to do more maintenance on it, but it won't release any formaldehyde. So it's just a problem that's somewhat persistent, but we got to stay on top of it. That's it. I, I think that 
you know, in this day and age, people, again, want things that are just kind of, Easy. you know, set it and forget it, <laughs> right, right? right? We want very little maintenance. And there's right. a time and a place for that. Right. Inside of our home, it's always maintenance. Whether you think it needs it or not, you probably have to at least give it a once-over, you know, every, once a week just to make sure there's nothing that you need to take care of. Yeah. If it's in an area with constant moisture, with constant, you know, soap and so forth, yes, clean those areas whether you think it needs to be cleaned or not. Okay, when it comes to a green, clean house, yes, we I don't know where mold ranks, but what what other problems are there, and where would they rank? Where would mold rank, and what's the number one if it's hmm. not mold? Well, I would say mold is basically a topic of its own okay. because mold can you can have a completely healthy, eco friendly home and still have mold. Um, so, we talked about mold quite a bit from a chemical standpoint. Ninety percent of the of the potential Dangerous off-gassing from the building materials will come from the things you see and touch on a daily basis. Those things would be your flooring options, your painted walls and ceilings, your cabinetry and woodwork, and then your own personal furnishings, your area rugs, window treatments, furniture. 90% of the toxicity would come from one of those four things. Beyond that, that last 10% comes from the things you never see and touch, your insulation, you know, caulking behind the walls, air barriers, subflooring, anything in the attic. Uh, so we spend a little less time during the design phase on that stuff, but we do still do have to be uh, mindful of it because with that last 10%, you really only get one shot at it while you're building a home. But if somebody came to me and said, we bought this home, we really can't do anything with opening up the walls. How do we make the home healthier today? I'm going to say concentrate on those four things, flooring, wall paints, cabinetry, and your own personal furnishings. And most often, I would say flooring. Yeah, um, that's In the I... United States, so much carpet is used, and I wish people would never use carpet. I was going to ask you about carpet because I would think uh, a, a lower-quality carpet is just full of chemicals and stuff that doesn't serve you. Yeah, you know. so the way we make carpet today is, is predominantly made from plastics. Oh. Now, this is where... The uh, eco-friendly industry has, has um, I think, convinced people otherwise. But if you buy carpet that's made from 100% recycled nylon, from an environmental standpoint, that sounds fantastic. You are getting rid of materials that would end up in a landfill and using it for something else. You're taking, like, plastic fishing nets out of the oceans. These are all admirable things for the environment. However... Inside of our home, we're still using very, very dangerous ingredients, and it has to be processed, and it has to be bound together using a bunch of styrene, butadiene, rubber, and other things, and we're, we're turning it back into something that's very dangerous to live with. In other countries that use carpet, uh, it's predominantly wool. It's a wool fiber, um, sometimes treated with pesticides or dyes. You can actually get carpet that's completely untreated now. And the back end is usually hemp or jute or cotton and natural latex. Um, so, again, here in, in the U.S., it's all about cheaper, faster, more of it. In other parts of the world, they realize that it's an investment that they're going to have for a very, very long time. You know, The average lifespan of carpet here in the U.S. is about 15 years because we either get sick of it, we sell the home, we just don't want it anymore, or it just stops working because they're making it cheaper because they realize the lifespan is only 15 years. In other parts of the world where wool carpet is installed, it's designed to last 70 to 80 years without a problem. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the mindset of how we use things. So it sounds to me like in my home, I have a lot of Persian rugs. At the retreat center, mm-hmm. we have a lot of Persian rugs. So that seems yes. like a healthy way to go. Much healthier because these are braided rugs uh, that don't have a, a, a rubber backing to them. Yeah. Uh, most often, people with extreme sensitivities can tolerate these without problems. What about other floors, like wood floors or, or uh, tile or stuff like that? So there are pros and cons to all of these, of course. And so when I'm dealing with a client, one of the first things I'll talk to them about is what, what are their specific sensitivities? What are we protecting against? Um, what's the budget? What's the aesthetic? So forth. Wood flooring can be fantastic, provided that it's not glued together using any urea formaldehyde-based adhesives, and it's not finished with polyurethanes or, or acrylics that will off-gas for a long period of time. There are uh, healthy options out there, of course. Tile, 
same mm. thing. I think that uh, natural tile, porcelain tile, which is essentially man-made, can be completely or is completely inert by itself. All right. It's how you install it. It's how you maintain it. Uh, I'm a big fan of using uh, porcelain tile specifically in like bathrooms and showers because it never needs to be sealed. In order to keep it from staining, natural stone, even like natural stone countertops like granite or, or uh, quartzite or marble, it, it, you would have to seal it on a fairly regular basis to keep it from staining. And there's no such thing as a non-toxic sealer for those applications. So let's say I'm in my house. I can't afford to get out of it. Um, I have these toxic material. Mm -hmm. How helpful would it be to keep the windows open as much as possible? Depends on the location and depends on the time of year and, and so forth. Um, I was just having a conversation with the client about this today. I'm all in favor of opening up the windows, provided that the air outside isn't worse than it is inside. Right, right. And so <laughs> where do you live? I live in Colombia nope. where the air is good, but I know in America there's also a lot of stuff seems to be falling out of the sky that's not very good for <laughs> us. So <laughs> so if you're living in, in downtown Manhattan, I would say keep your windows closed. Yeah. So you're, you're really screwed. In the of, uh, you're living where you are in Utah or something yeah. like that where you know, there's Open nobody around you. I'm fine with opening up the windows, provided that the humidity outside isn't higher than what's inside. Because with when you have humidity in a space, not only do you have a higher propensity for mold growth, but almost just important is when moisture absorbs into a surface and it eventually comes back out, as it evaporates back out, it'll carry with it the chemical footprint of where it was. Mm. So you'll actually increase chemical off-gassing if you increase humidity, all right? So we've got to be concerned. It's not just a one-size-fits-all deal. You know, you're really inspiring me to go up to my retreat center where I have 20 acres, put up a teepee, <laughs> and sleep <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> because the world has gotten so toxic, and that's why everybody's so sick. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah. But, but especially in America, we, we close a blind eye to it because the, the corporations run the world, and they run yeah. the country. And, and for them, it's all they have no heart and soul. It's all about shareholder value. So they don't care the end result to us uh, no. as long as they get their money. Okay, 100%. So, so walls, paint, is there a safe yes. paint? Sure. There, there's a couple of different safe paints that I rec uh, recommend all the time. AFM Safe Coat, the brand that I first found you know, 30 years ago, they still make a whole line of, of either non-toxic or low-toxin paints and coatings and sealers uh, all their products have been developed specifically for people with chemical sensitivity in mind. So they don't have the traditional health hazards and toxins uh, in them. Whether they're VOCs or not is irrelevant. We look at toxicity of the actual ingredients, and SafeCoat has been the number one choice for the chemically sensitive for decades now. There's another school of thought, which I agree with. We work with a brand out of Germany called Keim, K-E-I-M. Kime is a 100% natural mineral paint. Uh, the difference between Kime and AFM is not only the, the chemical consistency of it, natural minerals in water versus toxin-free synthetics in water, but Kime is fully breathable. So if you are living in a high humidity environment like Florida, for instance, utilizing Mineral paints means that any moisture that gets into the wall that tries to come inside is not blocked. It'll just come right in. And that means that you won't get mold growth behind the paint. So this gotcha. is very, very important, very useful. So I do see a place for either one of these. It just depends on where you're living. So just out of curiosity, I'm going to paint my house. And yes. I'm going to buy a one-gallon bucket of Kime. Or I'm going to buy a one bucket gallon of Sherwin Williams. What's the cost? What's the cost difference to go? So cost difference is I would say if you're buying the um, another brand's um, mid to top line product, that would be comparable to Kime or AFM Safeco price wise, definitely. Okay. But would, but does Sherwin Williams have a product like Kime, a cleaner? No, okay, not at all. So no. yeah, <laughs> so. So I'm better off to buy kind. Well, you are. But see, 
again, it's all about, it's a lot of times about convenience. And yeah. you can buy Sherwin Williams uh, at, you know, 16 anywhere, stores yeah, in a 10 mile radius. Yeah. And kind of got to go. Um, <laughs> Who knows where? Yeah. Our product, you know, we sell it off our website and it ships anywhere in the world. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a, you have to spend a little more time um, planning for the project and waiting for the product. Might be a few days. Yeah. But then once you have it, you're good to go. So it's just a matter of, you know, understanding that, you know, good things come to those who wait sometimes. This seems like a really good opportunity to give us your website so people can oh, go sure. buy good products. What, what's your website? So my website is thegreendesigncenter.com, thegreendesigncenter.com. From there, you'll see we have thousands of products that I've curated over the last 30 years to be the safest of the safe that are out there. Uh, this is not the end-all, be-all list, folks. This is um, what I have found. I've worked with over 30,000 chemical-sensitive clients in my career, wow. and this is what they have told me works the best for them. And what I have seen in my own research and my own chemical testing uh, to be the safest out there. You can also find links to my website or to my podcast. We have a private, um, what's called a circle community for customers all around the world. It's free to join. It's just a place where you can. Um, learn and maybe share your story uh help out others around the world who have going who are going through these health issues through these building issues um without being spammed it's not it's not social media this is a an old-fashioned like news group forum group for people who get it i guess that's the best way to say it yeah. i invite all of your listeners to please join it's free do you do you have a retail location yes we have a couple of stores here in wisconsin and then we distribute to over 150 stores throughout North America. Like a Home Depot kind of thing? or uh, No, all Ace independent stores. Okay. All like Ace, Ace Hardware? Stores. Um, some Ace Hardwares, but, you know, again, mainstream just doesn't want to pick up on the healthy side of, of buildings. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, there's a lot of skepticism out there with mainstream and health because what they're concerned about is, Humans can sue. The environment cannot. When manufacturers come up with a product that's eco-friendly and, and green, well, what if it's not? Who's going to sue them? Yeah. You come out with a product that you say is actually healthier for the occupant, healthier for the user. Well, this is why builders and contractors, architects, designers, um, manufacturers don't come out with things that clearly are toxin-free or healthier for the user because they're afraid, what if it's not? And they're opening themselves up to lawsuits. Um, they also realize that 99.9% .9 of their customer base doesn't care, or at least they don't think that until, they care. Until they're sick. Until they're sick, exactly right. And therefore, they um, People will buy the Sherwin-Williams paints because they have really good advertising. They're available locally. Every painting contractor loves to use it because they have incredibly large margins for dealers. Dealers make a lot of money. Our painters make a lot of money when they when they use a, a, a Sherwin-Williams paint. But, you know, if somebody really cares about their own personal health and they do a little bit of research and they just, you know, they go to a website like the Green Design Center, they'll find that they can get products pretty quickly. And painting contractors will like the product. They just they still won't want to use them because they lose all that profit. Uh, but you know, ultimately, it's not about the painting contractor. It's about you. It's about it's your health. You're the one paying the bill. You're the one having to pay the doctors and pay the health insurance. Um, so it, it, it's up to you to make the right choices. So let's say I'm building a new house in California, and I, I really want to make it as green as possible. I would go to your website. Is there someone I can talk to to consult with me, or how's that work? Yeah, so I actually do consulting all over the world, new homes, remodeling. Heck, people just want to they want to replace a, 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 a screen door in the front of their house, but they want to make sure they're using a healthier caulking material or healthier adhesives. I do consulting in either 15-minute, 30-minute, 60-minute increments, or I have projects where I get, uh, I've gotten involved as a, uh, a consultant for the entire project. So they basically pay me a, an annual fee for unlimited time with me. And that's becoming a, just a very valuable resource for people when they're, they want to build a healthy home. And, you know, I know I talk an awful lot when I'm interviewed about the downsides of buildings and it becomes a little daunting, a little scary. And I have to tell you that it's, 
while it sounds scary, it's very, very easy, very easy to make one simple change every once in a while to make your living environment so much healthier. And for people who get stuck in what's called analysis paralysis, where they, they're doing their Google research and they see a hundred things they need to change in their home, then they get frozen. Like, what do I do first? And if I do this one little thing, will it even make a difference? So why do I even start? I'm here to tell you that one little difference can make a huge difference down the road. I mean, something as simple as taking your shoes off at the door so you're not bringing in all those toxins from what, what you walked on all day makes a huge difference. You know, utilizing an air purifier in the bedroom, making the bedroom the most the, the healthiest room of the home because we're trying to get six to eight hours of restorative sleep a night, make that the healthiest room. If you can only afford making one room healthy and then you get to the rest of it when you can, make the bedroom that first choice. Do, do you sell air purifiers for the bedroom? We do, yeah. yeah. We sell, whether it's individual room air purifiers or whole house purifiers to hook up to the HVAC system, there is a solution for just about anybody's situation and that solution does not have to be completely unaffordable. Yeah, my wife and I have had an air purifier in our bed in both of our houses for a long time now. But you said something that we don't do, and that is remove our shoes. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, uh, it used to bother me when when somebody invited me over to their house and they say, would you mind taking your that shoes off? pisses me off, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, here I am in Wisconsin, and it's the middle of winter. It's 20 below zero outside. I'm walking around on cold hardwood floors, and I didn't bring, you know, a nice um, pair of, of slippers with me. But I get it. I realized um, a, a few years back that all the junk that we bring into our homes because we're walking through grass that just got treated with pesticides and, and insect um, uh, insecticides. Uh, we're walking through a grocery store. Who knows what's on the floor from the cleaning materials and from all the we've, we've gone into a public there. restroom. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean. Um, you know, step over, a, a somebody throws a, a, a cigarette butt on the ground and you step on that. You know, the average <laughs> cigarette has about 7,000 chemicals in it. Yeah. Now it's on your shoe. Right. Um, if you start to think about it, there's a lot of junk that we can avoid in our homes just by taking our shoes off at the door. Uh, and I'll be honest, I don't always practice what I preach. I try to, yeah. but when it's really cold outside, I, I'm, I'm accustomed to just leaving them on until, you know, I, I, I walk to the bedroom, grab my slippers. Yeah. I got to do a better job of keeping those slippers at the door so my feet don't get cold. Well, and the big thing I've been doing recently, I've been doing a lot of research on earthing or grounding, right? Yes. And, and what I've discovered is that all of us, because of all this, uh, iPhones and radio waves and TV waves, and, and we're electrical beings, and there's an electrical storm going on in our body because we don't ground to the earth. Mother Earth is negatively charged. We take off our feet, we our shoes, and we stand on Mother Earth. We get all those uh, negative electrons that calm this body down. So I'm, I'm, I'm switching all my shoes to uh, grounding shoes where, you know, nice. that's what we used to wear, leather and moxigans. And right. all of a sudden, I think it was the 60s or 70s, you know, Nike came out with these rubber shoes. And, 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 a lot of illnesses has gone up since then. We need that charge. Yeah. I agree, and I'm a big believer, in, even here in Wisconsin, when it gets awfully cold, I'll walk outside in the grass barefoot. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that every couple of days. Yeah. I should do it every day. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, life gets in the way. But yeah. I will say that um, it has made a difference in my life. I, uh, Although I absolutely love what I do, I love working with people around the world but like anybody who works with uh, people who have severe health issues, uh, not only physical, but mental health issues because of the physical, I take on a lot of what they have. And yeah. um, I absorb a lot of that, 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 um, that negative energy and I need to get rid of it. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've done um, Reiki for years. Uh -huh. And I remember years ago I was told you got to, just walk outside, take your shoes off, yep. and stand in the grass for 15 minutes, and yep. it does make an absolute difference. And if you can do it at sunrise and sunset, now you're getting mm -hmm. that red infrared light too, which Agreed. really fuels Agreed. you. Um, so in all these years, what's the, what's the worst health concern you've seen or the health, worst health situation you've seen in a person or a family or whatever? Oh, boy. I, I've, I've had way too many clients that have developed cancer because of the homes that they're living in. 
Um, I've had way too many clients with pets that have developed cancerous tumors in their feet because of walking on carpeting. Um, I am seeing a very, very um, fast um, increase in mast cell activa activation, chronic inflammatory response because of mold. Mm. Um, there's a lot of immune disorders that you could probably um, at least look at your environment as a contributing factor. Uh, I don't think it'll be next year that we'll know, but maybe within the next 10 to 15 years, we will have a better handle on exact causes of a lot of these immune disorders. And I think so much of it can be chalked up to our diet and our environment. And you, know, you, you talked about it earlier on when, when you are filling your body with, with manufactured foods and then you're preparing those manufactured foods in a kitchen that is surrounded with plastics and other man-made materials, it's very difficult. And the body is, it's, it's all about electrical impulses. Yes. And uh, natural materials just resonate better with the body than do synthetics. And I remember years ago working with a, 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 um, a functional practitioner here in Wisconsin. He built a new uh, location for his practice and we helped him with all the flooring materials and wall finishes. You know, the entire place was finished out using our healthy materials. And within months, I got people coming to us saying, I feel better just walking into the place. I don't even need to be treated by him anymore. It just makes my body feel better walking in there. And it's not psychosomatic. No. Because there's a lot of people who go to see him that had no idea what the, what the building was finished with. But they rec recognize right away it was just a healthier environment. Yeah, because we don't realize this is microscopic toxicity. Okay, so it's, we can't yep. see it, but but right. it goes through the skin, it goes through the lungs, goes through the nose. I mean, it permeates, and and it you can feel it. You know, um, mm -hmm. what do you do, do anything around this um, EMF from these phones and these pads? Is that when you're doing a house, is, do you factor that in at all? For a lot of people, we factor that in. Um, I was on the board of directors of the International Building Biology Institute uh, for a few years, and that's really the organization that really has pushed the ball way forward when it comes to research on, on uh, electromagnetic fields and then how to mitigate them in a home. Um, there are people out there who are much better experts than I am. However, I will say that um, anecdotally speaking, when you have people living in a home that is in direct contact with um, microwave from uh, cell towers, uh, Wi-Fi bouncing all around the homes from all the devices, and then you eliminate that uh, through whether it's through, you know, better wiring, um, shielding from different paints and other, materi other materials, when you eliminate this, you find that everybody in the house, like almost overnight, um, is less irritable. They're sleeping better. They're just feeling better. The color of their skin looks more vibrant, right? They don't have that sunken eye look because, again, they're getting sleep, yeah. of course. Um, and, and, and these electromagnetic fields will actually disrupt our, our, um, our REM sleep. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it makes a huge difference. I think this is one of those areas also that is just being tapped into now within 10 years. We're going to know so much more than yeah. we do now. Yeah. So it, in a lot of ways, it's an exciting time to be alive because a lot of things are being destroyed. All these systems that are being exposed and no longer servers are being destroyed. And a new awakening and a new consciousness is arising. So it's the, the next 10 years are going to be very interesting, and especially in light of the fact that we're made of atoms and atoms are 99.99999% space. So the illusion is the solidity of this body, okay? It's, just, it's held together by this electromagnetic energy. But in reality, these Wi-Fi things, these radio things, these TV things, these satellite things, they're going right through us. And we're made of electrons, and we're electrical. So it gets all screwed up. And then the electrons get separated, which leads to free radicals, which leads to cell mutation, which leads to inflammation, that leads to illness. So... Um, I, 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 this was supposed to make the world uh, better. In my mind, it's made it <laughs> ten times worse. Okay, I'm not a big fan. yeah, yeah. I, I agree that you know technology 
uh, is great when it works properly. And what yes. we don't know are the unintended consequences of trying to do the right thing, trying to be uh, more technologically advanced. Uh, we're starting to see those, um, uh, the ramifications of that. But what's happening is that technology is, is, um, is rapidly improving much faster than what we can comprehend. Yes. And so I think it's, it's time that we all just sort of take a beat and let's just stick with what we, we don't need the next best iPhone. Please. We don't need the next yes. best this and that. Um, but you know, it's, you had mentioned it before that the food that we eat is essentially a drug within yeah. our body telling our brain what to do. Yeah. So is marketing. Marketing <laughs> is a drug. And when you go online or you, you know, open up a magazine, you see an ad for the latest and greatest television or automobile or whatever it is, we all think we got to have it because, you know, it's, it's this, uh, this drug, it's a, it's an, uh, I, I believe it's, it's a, an endorphin rush when you buy something new and they know how to do it. Okay. First oh, of yeah. all, first of all, they give us 12 minutes of pure fear. Yep. <laughs> okay. Watch the yep. news and tell me, you know, <laughs> and then they sell you a Big Mac or a new Buick. Okay. So they put you in this state of fear, which you'll do anything to get out of. Oh, there's a Big Mac. Oh, I feel better. Okay. So yep. it, these people are brilliant. I mean, I mean, and the thing that's uh, interesting about America, there's two countries in the world where you can advertise legally pharmaceutical medications, America mm. and New Zealand, only two it's outlawed in every other country. The other interesting fact is 75% of all ad dollars spent in the United States are big pharma. And so, so wow. we are so mind controlled to, you know, if we don't feel right, run to the guy, get a prescription, run to CVS, put a pill in our mouth. And we don't listen to out of a 30 second commercial. We don't listen to the 20 seconds of disclosure uh -huh. <laughs> of everything that's going to go wrong. Um, so you've really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Is there any other important thing, um, me as a homeowner or as having this retreat that I need to be focused or concerned about? Well, I, I think that the other thing is, and I kind of touched on this, is that you really just need to do something to make your home healthier. Don't feel yeah. like it's either all or nothing. I think there's, that, that, that's what stops a lot of yes. people too. Yes. Yeah. Is they're like, well, this isn't going to do enough, so why do, why do I even do it? It's because yeah. everything builds up. Everything adds up together. And once you start subtracting things, you'll know that it's, you'll find that it's much easier to do the next and then the next. Yes. All right. But yeah. don't feel like you have to do it all at once. Uh, the second thing is, and I think it's kind of, it wraps a, a bow around this whole thing is we have to understand that it's not just about our physical health, but about our mental health. Yeah. And elaborate, elaborate on that. Cause that's very yeah, important. I think a lot of people, um, whether you have a sensitivity or not, let's say you do have a sensitivity and you're so fearful of making a choice that is wrong that you just don't do anything then. Um, I think it's it's time you give yourself a, a break and say, you know, you've done your research, you've done your homework, you've talked to the right people, just do something to make the home better. Sleep on it. You know, let it go for a few days or a few weeks or a few months and then work on the next thing. You have to allow yourself to um, be thankful for what you've done and be uh, um, appreciative for the improvements you made and also realize that it's impossible to have a home that is completely 100% toxin free. Yeah. Uh, it is, you'll either drive yourself to the poor house or the nut house, one of the two. Yeah. yeah. And Same understand that you're never you going to get it all out all. of your body either. You know, right. that's, that's what we teach. You know, you, it's an ongoing, this is a constant cleaning because there's so much toxicity is a, is an ongoing thing. Right. Okay. So if someone wants to work with you as a consultant or somebody wants to buy your products, give us that website one more time. TheGreenDesignCenter.com. And you'll find the products I sell, the podcast that I do, and you can book an appointment with me. Uh, it's very inexpensive just to book a 15-minute or a 30-minute conversation with me. Uh, and then if you're doing a whole project, uh, I can help work with your architect, with your contractor. Uh, and, and I used to be in the construction industry. I, I guess I still still am from yeah. a different perspective, but I speak that language of the architecture world. And so I, I can work with your architect and make sure the home is designed from the start to be as safe as possible. So for you guys out there uh, listening or watching, uh, if you're like I was 20 years ago, 
uh, you're just going to slough this off as total BS, right? Okay. And you're going to ignore the mold over here and you're going to ignore the toxicity in your home. But me now, the guy 20 years later, who have seen so much illness and seen this play out in so many ways and seen the debilitating illnesses that come from this chemical toxicity and other things like mold and lead and paint and have suffered from mercury poisoning myself, um, this is real. And you can't ignore it. It's there. You, you can ignore it to your own detriment, which is your health and the health of your family. So I just encourage you to take this seriously. If you know builders or you know people that, you know, older homes or something, just share this. This is great information. Um, super grateful um, to you, Andy, for spending your time with us today and uh, super grateful. And for you guys out there, um, take it seriously you know, and especially the toxicity in your body. And this is just one angle. I mean, there's a lot of other ways to get toxicity in the world, but, but learn about it and then learn how to detox. And uh, we hope to see you at Mountains of Hope someday. And until next week, go out there and manifest the life of your dreams. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and supporting me in bringing my message of hope, health, and abundance to as many people as possible. Will you please like, subscribe, and share this podcast episode, and I hope one day to meet you at Mountains of Hope, a place for deep healing and transformation.